So Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to be beginning with verse number 14 as we continue in this message of deliverance. Hallelujah for the deliverance of God. I'm so glad that God is a deliverer, not just on paper, but in reality. So many people don't know the reality of the deliverance of God, but all throughout the Bible, you will see over and over again how God delivers his people in a mighty and powerful way. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what? There's a difference between talking the talk and walking the walk. And if you read the pages of Scripture, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is not only a talker, but he's a doer. He accomplishes the things that he says. Hallelujah. I always say if, there, if, if, if we're not walking in victory, it's not God's fault. Come on, somebody. If, if we're not walking in the power of the Spirit, it's not because God has run out. It's not because God is, is looking in his pockets and there's nothing there. If we're not walking in the power of the Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Ghost, it's been provided. Pentecost has come down. He gives the Holy Ghost to all those who will wait upon him and receive him. So the problem's not on God's end. The problem is definitely on our end. But I thank God he's a deliverer today. I know many of us here, we could go on and on about testimonies about how God has brought us out of addictions and got us out of bad situations and brought us out of the, the, the gutter places and those places of life that you don't want to go back to, but God brought you out of them. There was a time and a place when God's people were bound in Egypt. And the Apostle Paul, who uh, is the apostle to the Gentiles, he said that the things that were written of the, of, of the Israelites in the Old Testament, those things were written for our example, for our, it's for our admonition to understand about God. And we see that Egypt always in the Bible represents sin. It always represents, it, it is always a representation of the power of the devil, of the power of the devil in your life. And, and that's what Egypt represents, how sin will take root and take hold and enslave you and put you in bondage to the taskmaster called the devil. And we see a likeness in ourselves with the Israelites because they didn't want any trouble. As long as, as, long as we get in our McDonald's, we're not going to cause no problems. They was just fine being slaves. They was just fine. But God had a deliverance in store for the people. And, and throughout that deliverance, there were problems because not all the, pro not all the people wanted to be delivered. Some people felt more comfortable with the roof over their head as slaves than sleeping under the protection of God out in the desert. You see, sometimes it doesn't look right. When you, you, you think, man, we used to have houses when we were slaves. We used to have a bed and a pillow. Yeah, we had to work hard. We couldn't do what we wanted to do, but we had a place. And now we're out in the desert, and all we have is God. Come on, you need to rephrase that. All you have is God. What else do you need? He, he, he supplies all our needs. He does. And when God delivers us, sometimes it doesn't look right. Sometimes it doesn't feel right. Sometimes it's awkward. And when God delivered the children of Egypt, he delivered them not to a mansion, but to a desert. Wait, 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 what is going on? I started attending church. I, I rededicated my life to Christ, or I went down to that altar, and, 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 and then I lost my job. Then, and then, you know, I started having problems with this, and I started having problems with that. And, Pastor, <coughs> what is this about one step forward and two back? Have you ever felt like that? That's exactly how Israel felt. Exactly. So here we see in, in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse number 14, we're going to get into this. Uh, I, want, I want you to see what the Lord says about the children as they're coming out of Egypt. It says, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now, the provocation that he's talking about is when Israel provoked God. That was a hardening of the hearts. When God brought a deliverance, Israel brought provoking God. Sometimes God gives us, but we don't receive it. 
You know, there's many times that the Lord will call unto you to pray. You may be, you may be half asleep, and the Spirit of God may call on you to pray for somebody. And, and, and you just, you know, ah, yeah. And, and there's times that the Holy Spirit will begin to draw you to do something or call somebody or pray for somebody or, or fast or whatever he may call on you to do. But there's times that the Lord will, will begin to speak into your heart. It's like he did with Israel. But they provoked God. They provoked God because they hardened their heart against God. They didn't like the way God was doing it. It would almost be like saying, well, I wish God would quit bothering me. I'm trying to sleep. They didn't want the deliverance that God had brought. So that's why God calls it the provocation, because they provoked God. Now look what it says in verse 16. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest? but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now here, I want you to see this important principle, and we're going to move forward. Watch this. God provides deliverance, but not all the people desired the deliverance God gave. I don't want that kind of deliverance. You come, you come to the altar, you get on your knees, you might be getting stuff pulled out of you didn't want pulled out. God might be pulling some crutches out that you once needed emotionally or, you know, some, God may begin to move you away from people that you thought you needed. But God wants you to see that he's all that you need. Amen. You might be in a relationship that's not good and not profitable and God may move you out of that so that you can see he is all that you need. Amen. You may be in a situation where you're leaning on man and not on Jesus. And he wants you to lean in completely into him. But God will do those things. And they provoked God because of unbelief. And the Bible says that their carcasses fell in the desert. It's, it's a pretty it's a brutal way of saying it. Sometimes you need bluntness. Amen? You talk to some preachers today and they say, blah, 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 blah. You know, I want the reality. I want, I want the bluntness of the situation. And, and God says here that there were carcasses that fell in the desert because of unbelief. It doesn't get any more plain than that. Do you know how many people today are not entering into the promised land because of unbelief? You see people fall to the left and you see people fall to the right. They started out on the way to God. They started out right, but because they could not believe and persevere by faith in Jesus Christ, their carcasses fall in the desert. So many times people begin to set out right. Israel began to set out right. God delivered them. God brought them out. God supernaturally brought them out, but not all of them got to go in. And I want you to know today that if you're alive, there is power in the name of Jesus to bring you out of whatever you're in. I want you to know today that as sure and as powerful as God was to deliver Israel out of Egypt, God can deliver you out of whatever has a hold of you in Jesus' name. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The powers in the earth, above earth, below earth, in this earth, everything is in subjection to Jesus Christ. So if it's anxiety or stress or sickness or what oppression or a demonic infestation, whatever it may be, it must submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. And so the deliverance that Israel had out of Egypt pales in comparison to the deliverance that you and I can receive today. You don't have to be what you once were. You don't have to even be what you are today. If something has a hold of you, it must let go when you come to the foot of the cross. When you come to the foot of the cross and you surrender to the Lord and you allow the Holy Spirit to move upon you, every single chain will be broken in Jesus' name. Tell me which chain can resist the authority of God. 
Tell me which bondage can say no to the blood of Jesus. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I don't care if it's alcohol or drugs or lust or pornography or you have a problem with anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or some emotional issues. I want you to know Jesus is greater. And Jesus can set you free today. At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. And so we see here that the only reason that they didn't get to go into the promised land was because they stopped believing. When, when, when God told the nation of Israel to come out, he said, he's bringing them out. Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said, go. Do you know that all of them went? All of them went. You know, it's, it's kind of a representation of sometimes in the church world. Everybody will sometimes say, well, yeah. I once walked with God. Well, what happened? You stopped believing. Somewhere along the way, issues arose. And with the nation of Israel, as they stayed 40 years in the desert, there was always an issue. It was either not good enough food, not enough food, not enough water. They didn't like the, the sleeping arrangements. They didn't like any. And every time, people would die. Sometimes they might die because they got bitter. They started murmuring and complaining about Moses' leadership. Or it could be that Moses took too long. Why you got to take so long up in the mountain getting the law of God? And they began to worship a golden calf. But all throughout the time, God had a perfect and a complete deliverance available, but they just couldn't handle it. They just couldn't handle it. Does that remind you of yourself? Reminds me of me sometimes. See, God has more than I've received. And if we will just begin to, to walk in faith, we will see God's promises more and more in our own lives. Some of us, we've been hanging on to the fringes for too long. Some of us, we've been hanging on to a testimony for 14 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. We've been holding on to that testimony. I want you to know that if you'll walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God, you'll have a testimony this week. You will have a testimony this week. You won't have to, when somebody asks for your testimony, you won't have to, well, you know, about 20 years ago, I, I felt God about 20 years ago. Hey, you can still feel God today. He's the same mountain-moving God today that he was 20 years ago, and all you got to do is believe and receive in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all you got to do. And God is, is, the shop is still open. He hasn't closed. Amen. Now, I think closing time's coming soon, but it's not closed yet. Closing time's whenever the Lord calls his children home. I believe he's going to call his children home soon and very soon, but it's not yet. Amen? Now, look at this. The, the first verse of, of chapter 4, as we continue in, just look at this first verse. It says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. God told them, just like God, whenever Jesus was on the boat with the, the, the disciples, he said, we're going to go to the other side. In the middle of the Sea of Galilee, the storm arose and the boat began to rock. The waves began to crash. The wind was whipping all around them. They thought they were going to die. But just a few hours earlier, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Which one do you believe more? When Jesus said, we're going to the other side or the wind and the waves that are crashing against you? There's times in the life of the believer that the wind and the waves will crash upon you. But you must hold and believe to the word that God preached to you at the beginning. He told you he's going to take you to the promised land. You must mix, right, that word that was preached to you with faith. Understanding and believing that if God said it, hallelujah, it's done. It's as good as done. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it in Jesus' name. If he said he's going to take you to the other side, he's going to take you to the other side. Just don't murmur, don't grumble, don't, don't get bitter, don't say when's it going to happen. Just know and believe and trust. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Hallelujah. Sometimes we need to remember that it is God's desire that his people believe. The, the nation of Israel, as they got brought out of Egypt, 
God desired to bring all of them in or he wouldn't have brought all of them out. How many times do we see in the church world God's desire to move in people's lives? The way that God brings us out today is right there at the cross. The greatest deliverance any person will ever see is the deliverance when, when the power of sin, the power of death, and the power of hell is broken by the blood of the Lamb of God. Every single thing that could hold you down or keep you back or destroy your life, the power of it was broken in Jesus' name. So if you need a deliverance, you don't need to try harder. You need to believe. Believe. You believe. And so the nation of Israel says that not all of them entered in because they didn't believe. They didn't mix that word preached to them with faith. And I want to encourage you this morning to let that faith mix with the word. And, and that's how we're going to see God move in our lives. Now, if you have your, your Bibles, let's flip over to Philippians chapter 2. I want to show you a, a, a corresponding passage to this. So Philippians chapter 2. Now, what we see is God's power that the, the nation of Israel was brought out. But how many of you know, and you, you do know this, God brought them out physically, but they didn't come out spiritually. God brought them out physically, but they didn't come out spiritually. Sometimes people can go to church. Sometimes people can attend church physically, but not spiritually. Sometimes we can give God our physical, but not our spiritual and God, had, he was not satisfied with just these bodies in the desert. He wanted their hearts. He was working. He was working in their lives, but they weren't responding. They weren't responding. They just like a herd of cows were just going wherever the herd was going. Just following whoever's in front of them. But God wanted them to respond by the heart. He wanted to, them to respond by the spirit. And I want you to know today that God's not satisfied with what you do in the physical. God's not satisfied with church attendance. He's not satisfied with the money in your pocket. He's not satisfied with what you can bring to the table. He's not satisfied with anything you can do physically. It is the spiritual that God desires. It is what the inward work of the heart that God is after. We do, not, we, we do not neglect the physical, no, but we can't stop at the physical if we're not going to give God our hearts. If we're not going to give God our hearts. Now, here we see in Philippians chapter 2. Now, this is one of the best books of the Bible, but let me just, uh, there's three sections I want you to hear. Number one, at the very beginning of Philippians 2, you have the greatest um, most people say it was a song that they sung back then, but it was, it, it's an, an illustration of the deity of Jesus Christ and the authority of who he is, that, that he was God and that he became man and that every knee is going to bow to him and every tongue's going to confess. It's just this epic song and, and, and just an, an epic thing written there so that we can know who our God is. Then, in a corresponding passage later in this chapter, God says, hold forth the word of life for others. Let them see. As a, as a shining light, let them see you. But in the middle of it, in the middle of this great verse about how powerful God is and the deity of Jesus and you shining like a light, there's two verses of Scripture, two little bitty verses of Scripture. This is just tucked right in between these two great passages. And we're going to pick it up in verse number 12. Philippians 2, verse 12. In order to get, listen, here, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see this. A.W. Tozer said this one time. He said that you can be, um, you can be as theologically straight as a shotgun, but you can be as empty as a barrel, too. You, you, you can have it all right theologically. You, I mean, you can have it all correct. Every I dotted, every T crossed. You can have all your ducks in a row and be as empty, as empty as a barrel. 
And some of us, you know, you can attend church, you can go to church, you can give God the physical, you can do all that you're supposed to do with the outer, but if we don't give God the inner, we're empty as a barrel. And, and, and the connection, right? The connection between this great theological truth and you shining like how God wants you to shine in the world. Look, the power doesn't, the power doesn't come from you. Some people, some people think, oh, I just got to try harder. You know, I, pastor keeps preaching about how we're supposed to be lighthouses to the environment around us. We're supposed to be lighthouses. We're supposed to show God's glory. I just got to try harder. I got to stop doing this and I got to stop doing that. And I just got to try harder about this. Look, there's this disconnect sometimes between this great theological truth and this reality that you're, you are called to be a lighthouse to the world. What's the disconnect? Beginning in verse 12 and 13. This, these, this step cannot be missed. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Hallelujah. Now, what I want you to see is that sometimes people can use this verse and, 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 and misapply it. But when God says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he is not talking about purchasing your own salvation. He's talking about exercising your own salvation. He is talking about walking it out. Amen? Walking it out is what he's talking about. When he says work it out, walk it out. What God is working in is the only thing that you can work out. If God's not putting it in, you can't put it out. But if God's putting it in, you got to put it out. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying that it is God that does the willing and the doing in you. God is putting something in you. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws you to the cross. The Holy Spirit is the one that preaches to your heart. The Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates truth when the pastor preaches or you open up the word of God or you begin to pray or you begin to worship. It is the Holy Spirit that moves in your life opening the understanding of the heart and of the mind. And it is the Holy Spirit that is directing the heart to Jesus Christ. But when God begins to work in you, he's expecting something to come out of you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The salvation has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. You can't purchase it. Don't even try. Don't even think about it. That's not what this is about. The, our salvation has been purchased. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says that, that this, our salvation is unto the believer. Our salvation is unto the believer. We believe unto salvation because Jesus bought our salvation with his own blood. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. So when he's saying work out your own salvation, it is not the purchasing of it, but the exercising of it. Now, I want to just backtrack just a little bit as you go back up. He says, Paul is talking to the Philippians. And this, if you remember, this is where uh, he met Lydia, the seller of purple. And that's where he got put into prison. And they had the jailhouse rock and all that kind of stuff. But, but he's writing to the Philippians because they were the real deal. And he, he wanted to encourage them, but they were the real deal. But notice what he said. He said, you obeyed, not only in, in my presence, but also in my absence. So but before Jump Street, he commends them because they weren't two-faced spiritually. They weren't two-faced spiritually. In other words, they weren't one way in front of the apostle and a different way at home you you, you want to know something about somebody just ask their kids they'll tell you whether people live the live it out or not sometimes people can put on a front sometimes people can put on a show but the reality of the situation is god is not desiring that we live one way in front of the right folks and a different way in front of the other folks but that we live holy, not only with an H-O-L-Y, but holy W-H-O-L-L-Y. 
that we live wholly unto God, that everything about us is God's. We don't just say, okay, I'm going to give God 15 minutes of my day, and then I'm going to go for the rest of it's mine. When, when we get to the point that all of it belongs to God, we're getting somewhere. And that's what he was commending them for. If you notice what he says, he said, you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. They were doing the right thing, not only when the right people were watching. Do you do the right thing? Even when nobody's watching hallelujah you know the, there was a mentality in the in, in 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 a lot of churches that used to say uh, parents i remember parents would tell their kids do as i say not as i do yeah you filled it in do as i say not as i do what does that show you that shows you that they're not willing to model out what they want the children to be but what our generation so desperately needs today is men and women to model out godly fear, godly pursuit, and godliness today in this generation. These kids growing up today, they don't need lessons. They need to see it modeled. They need to see a demonstration of the power of God in you. They need to see that it is true and it is possible for somebody to sell out and be on fire for God. It is true and possible for somebody to live holy in a dirty, rotten world. They need to see that it is real and it is possible for somebody to be sold out unto God to be a light in a dark environment. That it is possible to not compromise. This generation growing up today, they need to see not just the, 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 the acute lesson. They need to see a demonstration. They need to see you and I and the rest of the church world. They need to see us live what we preach. They need to see us live what we preach. They need to see us put away foolish games. They need to see us put away all the drama. They need to see us put away all the gossip and the backbiting. They need to see us put away sometimes the remote control. They need to see us put away things that have held us down. They need to see us go forward in Jesus, don't they? They need to see godly pursuit model. When was the last time somebody could look at you and say, now that's how you're supposed to pursue God? That's what this generation needs. This generation needs some pioneers, trailblazers, people whose eyes are locked on Jesus and moving and blazing a trail and, and uncompromising in the process. That's what this generation needs. You talk about your children, your grandchildren, maybe your neighborhood children. They need to see what it's like to, to see somebody on fire for God, full of the Spirit of God, and will not move, yield to the left or to the right with compromise. Amen? Compromise, compromise will destroy sometimes our testimony. And we need to go back to the altar, receive forgiveness, get that grace back on our lives, and then blaze that trail. Pursue God like never before. Look, you cannot change yesterday, but from this point forward, you can be who God needs you to be in the world today. And I'm telling you right now, that generation out those doors of the church, that generation, they need to see a, they need to see a move of God. You can, you can teach all the cute lessons you want, but if you don't live what you preach, your words are empty. Your words are empty. Ah, y'all need to go to church. Y'all need, need to stop doing that. But you doing it. Y'all don't need to be watching that. Well, you watch it. Y'all don't need to be talking about that. Well, I heard you talking about it. You don't need to be talking like that. You don't need to be, look, you, you're not married yet. You don't need to be talking about, what kind, why are you going to watch that kind of movie? You're only 12. Well, you watch it. See, there's, there's times where the church needs to kind of come out from the world in order to be who God's called us to be. And the point I wanted to kind of connect there is that God brought out the nation of Israel, but they didn't come out. 
God brought them out, but they didn't come out. And, and, and if you don't come out, you certainly ain't going to be working out nothing. You're you going to be nothing but a religious fuddy-duddy. If, if you don't receive the deliverance that God has and also come out spiritually, then you will never be able to work out the salvation. You will never be able to exercise it. You will never be able to live it. You, it will never be a reality. It will never be something that is a, 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 a product of your walk with God. It'll just be something that you teach in pretense, but not in practice. You know that there's a difference? Pretense is what you know is right, but what you practice is what you live. There's a huge difference. And you know what? We, we in the church world, we have settled for far too long of letting our Sunday school teachers teach our kids instead of us showing them by reality, by example, walk like I walk. You know, Paul was just a man, but he told the church, follow me as I follow Christ. Why can't we say that to others? Maybe because we're not following like we should. You see, we look at the situation and we see the reality. And when we examine our own hearts, we will see God's desire to not only bring us out, but that we come out. Do you know there's a difference? There's a difference. You, 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 you know, you can, um, you know, sometimes when you see this in a relationship, maybe a, a, a woman is in a bad, abusive relationship and, and, and may physically be brought out. But what was the, a couple of nights later, where's she going to go? She's going to go right back. She has to have deliverance not only physically, but she has to come out. She has to have not only a physical deliverance, but a spiritual deliverance. And in our own lives, in our own lives, you may, not, you, you may think about that situation. You may be like, man, I wish that she would stop doing that. But sometimes we do that with our pet sins. God brings us out by the cross, by the power of the blood of Jesus. But a couple of nights later, we just kind of meander all back over there where we once were, let ourselves get where we once were. I know I shouldn't be watching that. I know I should be doing this. I know I shouldn't be going here, but I know I should be doing this. And we get ourselves right back where we once were because God brings us out, but we didn't come out. And you have to have both. This is what cost the nation of Israel. Nation, the whole nation of Israel, over a million people got brought out, but only two came out. They, a million people got brought out physically, only two came out spiritually, Joshua and Caleb. And they got to bring in all the kids. They was youth pastors, I guess. But what you see is that the vast majority of the nation of Israel were disqualified from the promised rest. Some people are striving. Some people are unsettled on the inside. They're striving on the inside. And the whole time God has promised rest. Do you know and realize how silly it would sound if you were able to look right now at the nation of Israel as it's in the desert and they're complaining about not having food or water? Jesus is leading you. He is the pillar of fire. He is the cloud by day, the fire by night. He is with you. Everything that you need, he's providing. He wouldn't have brought you out if he wasn't going to provide for your needs. He's not going to bring you out and leave you halfway. If he opened the door for you to come out, he's going to open the door for you to go into the promised land. He's not going to leave you in the middle, just like the disciples thought when they were on that lake. In the wind and the waves begin to crash, the call on their life was to believe what God did at the beginning. Jesus said, I'm going to take you to the other side, and he meant it. And when God told Israel he's going to take them out of Egypt and bring them to the promised land, he meant it. But in the middle, they doubted, just like the disciples. And sometimes we're like that. 
But if you will also not only be brought out, but come out spiritually, you'll see God do a mighty work in you. Now, look, look at this. He says, um, it, it says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That, that is, you know, to be sincere, to be honest. Think about the, the vast holiness of God and the majesty of God and that he took time to deliver you and to honor him. But you can't work out what God's not working in. Here's a way that you work it out. Here's a way that you work it out. Live the lessons you learn. One of the ways that you work it out is to actually live the lessons you learn. Do you know that in the church world, there's a, there's a, 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 a thing that the church world does where we learn lessons up here in our head oh yeah i heard that yeah but do you live it oh yeah yeah i heard that one before i heard that one yeah i know we're yeah um you know jesus jesus was whenever he was praying he said lord uh you know forgive us our trespasses we forgive those trespass against us but then we turn right around and we harbor unforgiveness against people that took twenty dollars from us and didn't pay us back two years ago They walk in church. We hope they fall on their face. We're walking in unforgiveness. We're walking in bitterness. We're harboring things that people have done against us, and we don't consider what we did against God, and God chose to release us from it and forgive us. Why are you going to set yourself up as though somebody did something great against you when you sinned against God? That's far greater, and God released you. When you ask for forgiveness, God forgives you for Jesus' sake, for his glory. And yet we're going to be high and mighty and pompous and not turn around and also forgive others. Well, that's just one way. That's just one way that we are not living the lessons we learn. Do you see? You can understand that it, you may learn in Sunday school. Yeah, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to have unforgiveness. God won't forgive us if we don't forgive others. You can learn it in Sunday school, but it does no good to learn it if you don't live it. Amen. It'll actually, actually cause you a greater judgment one day if you don't live it. You know, in the church world, there's, there's a saying as people say, oh, I need a nugget from the Lord. I need a... Pastor, I need a word. I need a nugget. I, I, was, I, I, I need just something, a little something, a little something. People always looking for those little things they never heard before. Well, you know, God's not, God's not going to reveal things to you until you begin to live what you already learned. Until you let what God's putting in get worked out. That's what he's talking about in the verse. When he says, work out your own salvation, meaning... The things that God's putting in you, begin to live them. Begin to walk them out. Begin, begin. Say, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I want to do this. Lord, I don't know how to walk in this out, but I want to walk this out. Just starting there and saying, Lord, I learned about, you know, unforgiveness and that I should be forgiving. Help me, Lord, to just walk that way. And you know what? You do that, you won't be cutting people off in traffic anymore. You won't be trying to get in front of them and slow them down if they pass you anymore. You, you'll be, hey, they must be having a bad day. They almost ran me off the road, but I'm going to bless them. I'm not going to curse them in Jesus' name. Just starting small. Begin to let the Spirit of God work in your life. And, and sometimes the, the, the prayer of honesty is the one that God's looking for. When you just say, Lord, I don't know how to do this, but I want to do this. If you'll show me how to do it, I'll do it. Watch what God won't do for his children that, that pray like that watch what god won't do but it is sometimes um necessary that we get to the point where we say okay lord i'm willing to actually live what i've learned i don't need to sometimes i don't need to learn anymore sometimes i don't need to learn anymore i need to live what i've already learned it's not saying that you ever get to a point where you stop learning but if you're unwilling to walk out what God's working in, there's a problem. There's a disconnect. It, what it does, it creates in the church world a consumer mindset. Oh, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. 
when you gonna start living it sometimes we we have that mindset and we have this we we have to get honest with the lord and say okay lord i'm ready to live what i learn the the lessons that we learn are we living in them that's one of the ways that we work out what god's working in another way that we work it out is to plunge into the depths of communion with god through prayer and his word Oh, are we drawing closer in communion with God? Are we plunging the depths of prayer? Or is it just one of those things we have to do because we know we're supposed to do it? You know that there's a difference? There's a huge difference if my kids hug me because they know they have to than if they hug me because they want to. You know how big of a difference that is? It means all the difference in the world to a daddy. If my kid comes up to me and hugs me because they love me, it melts my heart. But if they come up and they hug me because they feel like, well, I have to give you a hug today. When, when we begin to plunge the depths of prayer, it's because we want God. It's because we want relation with him. We want to know him. We want to just sit in his presence. We, sometimes we go into prayer closet and don't even say anything. Just say, Lord, I'm here. I just want to sit at your feet. I'm going to put my, I'm going to take my watch off. I'm going to set it aside. I'm not going to even look at Facebook. I'm, I, I'm not even bringing my list. You know, some, some Christians, when they go into prayer, they got, the, they got the list of demands like a hostage situation. I want this, I want this, and I want this, and I need a coconut cake. But sometimes we need to come into that prayer closet without the hostage list, you know, the demands, and just come before the Lord and just desire the relationship with the God who created you. Just to come and sit at his feet and say, Lord, I just want to plunge into the depths of knowing you. I just want to plunge in and just let myself go and just let you have your way in me. I just want to know you, sit at your feet, just let you know I love you. I just want you to know I love you. I'm not going to time it, Lord, and I'm not going to place any demands. I just want to sit at your feet. Oh, what a, you know, that's why, that's why so many of the sinners had so much praise from Jesus because so many of them would just fall at the feet of Jesus and begin to cry at his feet. And all the religious folks were saying, what you do? What you want? They must be wanting something because religious folks only come to Jesus when they want something. And this woman just coming to Jesus just to worship at his feet, cry, and, and, and wipe the tears away with her hair. Oh, she must be asking for something big if she's doing that. No, she's not asking for nothing. She just wants to sit at the feet of Jesus because she sees who he is. Oh, this is what we need in the church world. We need to work out what God is working in us. We need to respond in the spirit to what God is doing in us. Amen. Pursuing God. We should have a goal to pursue God deeper daily. You know, you, if, if you plunged into depths yesterday, go deeper today. I never met a fisherman that caught four fish and didn't go back next time. I want to catch five. Never met a, a, somebody that hunted deer. And said, I, got a, I got a five point last year. This year I'm going for a four point. Two point spite. They never go backwards. They always want to go forward. Well, what's wrong with us? Why don't we want to go deeper daily? Why don't we want more of God every day? Why don't we want God to have more of us every day? That we should pursue God deeper daily. That should be the goal of our heart. You know that he's greater than any fish you could catch or deer you could hunt. Sometimes we just need to, you know, just get into that mindset where we're going to pursue God deeper daily. And in order to do that, you know, it's kind of like the living the lesson that you learn. You got to respond to revelation. When God begins to open things up to you and God begins to show you things, respond to it. Don't be despondent, respond to it. God will speak if you'll listen. God is not deaf and mute. God has not grown asleep. He's not grown gray hair. 
And if you'll respond to the revelation that God gives you, he will open the eyes of your understanding so that you can know him more and love him more. Amen? Now, I want you to look at the last two, the last two parts of, the, of, of, of verse 13. It says, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So just so you know, when, when, when he says, work out your own salvation, the very next verse says, for it is God which worketh in you. Just so you know, right? Because sometimes the devil's a liar and you just got to be like, well, I don't know. I heard somebody misquote that one before. It says, work out your own salvation because it's God that's working something in you. And it is God that's working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The will is God. It, the desire comes from God. There's a hunger in the heart of the believer because the spirit of God is inviting you to the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. He said, if he be lifted up, all men would be drawn unto him. And as Jesus is preached, the spirit goes to work. As Jesus is lifted high and magnified in word and in deed, as we preach and as we sing and as we glorify, the Spirit of God begins to work on our hearts, drawing us closer to, closer to the Lord. Both to will and to do. The doing is the performing. The willing is the wanting. The doing is the performing. The will is the wanting. Let's talk about that just a second. You know the will. Remember Jesus, whenever he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he pray? Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, thy will be done. The uniting of our will to God's was modeled by Jesus. His earthly ministry, as he united his own earthly will to the heavenly will. Is a, a, a uniting that we all must get to where we no longer are about our own self-serving interests, but we begin to unite our will to God's will, and God's will is to save sinners. If the plan and the purposes of our heart is not to see sinners saved, we have not united our will to God's. Because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. Why are we? See, there's a problem whenever our will's not united. God's not willing that any perish, but we perfectly fine going to sleep without praying for lost folks. And we should not. And we should not be. So it's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The, the willing is the desire, the delight. Um, reminded of... Uh, I'm reminded of, of John the Baptist when he said he must increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist showed that it was not about himself. It was about Jesus. It wasn't about what John the Baptist wanted. It wasn't about what people thought about John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, I got to decrease. He's got to increase. And sometimes we need a healthy dose of reality. And then when you look at the, 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 the doing to will and to do of his good pleasure. The doing is the ability. Look, the ability to do anything for God doesn't rest in you. The doing comes from the Spirit of God. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So you can never do until you've been endued. Hallelujah. God will never ask you to do something without enduing you to do it. God will never ask you to do something in your own strength, in your own way, and in your own time. He just wants you to be a vessel that he can use. Pentecost is about the power of God coming into broken folk so that God can use them in a powerful way. It is the doing that God provides. You're just the vessel that he uses. God's the doer, not you. Sometimes we got to get out of the way and let God use us. In order for that to happen, you got to be surrendered to God. you got to tarry before God until you get endued with power from on high. You, look, if God's going to ask you to do something, you need a Pentecost to do it in. 
and God has asked you to do something, and if you're going to do what God's called you to do, you need a Pentecost so that you can be endued with God's power from on high. Amen? It is God's power that accomplishes these things. Now turn with me just one chapter over, and we're going to close in Philippians 1, verse 6. Hallelujah. Philippians 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want you to see in that verse that it is God who performs the things in your life. If there's things that need to be done, God will do them. But you must be surrendered and endued. God will do the performing if you'll be doing the surrendering. And when you surrender and allow the Spirit of God to endue you, God will perform through you things that you cannot naturally do. God will cause you to walk on the high places of your life. The things that once walked over you, you will walk over. The things that once defeated you, you will defeat. The things that once were over you will be under you. When God endues you with power from on high, it is God doing a performing through you. And he will never ask you to do something in your own strength. I don't know about you, but I don't need a man's help. The, the situations I've got myself into in my life, a man couldn't have got me out. I needed deliverance that came from God Almighty. And God Almighty wants to endue you with power from on high to do what he desires. Willing and doing of his good pleasure. If you're a vessel, if you're a willing vessel, he will bless you. He will bring you out. The catch is when he brings you out to come out. There's a verse of scripture, well, you can look at this later in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, God says, come out from among them and I will be your God and you will be my people. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, come out from among them, I'll be your God, you'll be my people. When was the last time you came out unto God? He's brought many people out. Just like in Israel, he brought over a million people out. I've seen people bring out many people, but not many people actually come out. But if you're willing, if you're willing, God will endue you today and give you the ability. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity to hear your word, and we thank you for the power of your spirit to produce in our lives that which is not natural. God, it is not the things of the natural that we need today. We need you.